Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney II, uh, Dan Colbert, Anthony Weidel, and the rest of the Steelers front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond, a roster that's going to you know, set itself up, hopefully, for a seventh Lombardi trophy. And so I think the title will say it all for you. Dante Johnson's the focus of today's show. He's obviously been a focus of the media's attention lately around will the Steelers resign and what will he get paid? What will he not get paid and all the rest of it. So that's what we're going to primarily focus today's show on pretty much. Um, And I guess I've looked at it from two different perspectives. So first, I got to give a shout out, even though I've got subscriptions to both of them um, or or pay for content from both of them. I got to give a shout out to Pro Football Reference, who I always rely on for my stats. Occasionally you hear me talk about PFF, particularly college players, but you know, Pro Football Reference is really my go-to Bible for stats. And I've also got to give a shout out to Over the Cap, who do some incredible work around contracts. Um, and really, I, I just think that platform, you know, has an incredible amount of data. And if more people went to it, they'd be able to do even more. And at least cosmetically, it might look better. But the, the data behind it makes, you know, doing this podcast, um, you know, opportunities that we do here at BTSC. I know other team members use it as well, but it just makes even just talking and listening and learning about the Steelers um, and other parts of the NFL so good. And it's got a lot of respect. You know, there are a lot of people, even in the NFL's own NFL network um, that really, you know, they leverage over the cap. Um, Other podcast networks do it as well. So it, it, yeah, I mean, it's just a really, really great platform and it's it's the go-to when you want to know about contracts. And so, I'm kind of going to kind of do two things. In part one, we're going to look at Deontay Johnson from the perspective of uh, how did he go stats-wise and compare him to, I would say, five similar or like-minded individuals. And then in part two, we're going to look at the contract side of things. And I'm going to tell you what 
roughly where he sits and what he's worth based on some of the, based on the contracts these individuals signed. Uh, and I'm going to make a prediction of what roughly he might cost the Steelers to keep um, at probably a minimum. And it's, it's interesting. You know, you asked me where I got the topic of this podcast. Obviously, this has been pretty topical. I also talked a little bit about Deontay Johnson and the, and the overall approach that we're seeing from people still on their rookie contracts about new contracts. Um, and then I feel the NFL needs to do more about, you know, resolving this, whether you don't have these holdouts before the final year of their, of their rookie deals. Um, I'm going to have more to say on that as we approach the season and later in the season. But let's just, I wanted to focus on, you know, give you guys a perspective on what Deontay Johnson might actually cost to re-sign. And, and perhaps you might walk away and go, well, Matt, even if that's on the small side, I think it's too much. And it's a little bit how I feel. Um, but having said that, when you looked at him, when I looked at him against the f- these five players that I'll I'll talk through in a moment, you know, he had actually done pretty well. So maybe he does deserve that money. It, it's you, you can kind of see it from both sides. Is the easy answer. So I think a really good place to start before we compare Deontay Johnson is just to give a quick overview of some of the stats he's had. He played. He's played three years in the league. He played 12 games. Um, he started 12 games in 2019, started 13 in 2020, started 14 in 2021. He played all but one. He's played all but one game um, throughout his three seasons in the league. Total for his career so far, 405 targets, 254 receptions, 2,764 yards, an average yard per reception rate of 10.9 yards, 20 TDs, 135 first downs, 50 is his long. He had a 50 last year, 47 in 2020, um, and a 45-yard reception in 2019. Average, um, you know, receptions per game is 5.4. Average yardage per game is 58.8. Catch rate um, average over his career so far is 62.7. Yards per target, 6.8. He's only had 12 rushes for 109 yards. It's not really where you see him used before first downs um, and no TDs. Um, so that's pretty interesting too. He was um, second um, on the AP uh, rookie offensive rookie awards in his rookie year. And he made the pro bowl last year, which I think was a, actually an injury selection if I remember correctly. So that's kind of where he sits. Um, Yak per per reception um, is around five through his career. He had a 5.2 in 2019, 4.5 in 2020, 4.9 in 2021. Yak yardage makes up about a third um, of his overall yardage up until last year, where it was almost half of his yardage. So that's kind of another key thing to note. The other thing about Deontay, we talk about drops with Deontay. Yes, they happen at key moments, um, but he had a 6.5% drop rate in 2019, 9% in 2020, and only 3% last year, even though he did have a couple there. Um, interceptions on passes when targeted, two in 2019, two in 2020, three in 2021. But you kind of expect that for someone that's getting, you know, he had 169 targets in 2021. You know, uh, he had 144 targets in 2020 and 92 targets in 2019. So from that perspective, you, you know, when it comes to Deontay Johnson, like the interception, you know, ratio that uh, it's absolutely minimal. It's less than a couple of percent. Um, and if you look at the quarterback rating on passes when targeted, when targeted, he has had a 95.4 in 2019, 
a 90.1 in 2020 and a 91.9 in 2021. So that's pretty interesting from Deontay. The other thing to note about Deontay is that obviously 2019, one of his breakout years, Ben was injured. And so he was able to get, you know, six, almost 700 yards as a rookie, almost 60 receptions, um, you know, in a, in a time with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Duck Hodges. So that's the other thing to note. Um, about Deontay Johnson and his career to date. Interestingly, if you go through each year with Deontay Johnson, um, in his rookie year, he never broke 100 yards. He had two games with over 80 yards. So that was quite interesting. Um, The majority of his games, though, or half the games at least, um, he had more than 50 yards. So that's pretty telling. In 2020, he had two games above 100 yards, no games above 120. He had two games in the 90s, one game in the 80s. Um, and 10 of his 16 games had almost more than 60 yards as well. Last year in 2021, he had three games over 100 yards, but they, he had three of those three games, two were 105 and one was 101. He had three games in the 90s. So you saw that average actually tick up pretty substantially um, as well. So, and, and he, every game, sorry, uh, 12 games were above 50 yards. So, Pretty tremendous um, from that perspective in terms of what he was actually able to achieve last year. His catch percentage was 63.3% too, which was, I think it was a career high for him. Um, So that's pretty exciting when you look at what he's able to improve on. And when we come down to the contract numbers in part two, actually that improvement is a really big deal because that improvement out of Deontay Johnson is why he kind of does just like he's putting himself in the mix for a really top contract. The other thing I wanted to share too was that what I what I did forget to cover was that he was drafted out of Toledo in the third round in 66 overall in the 2019 NFL draft. So I did forget to cover that one um, at the to- uh, start of the podcast as well. So just a recap there, he's 5'10", 183 pounds as well. So I told you I'd do a statistical comparison to five other players and I pulled up their contracts too. So part one will align with part two. Um, We'll go together like hand in glove. Those five players I've specifically selected. They're not the five players that have the biggest wide receiver contracts. They've got very healthy wide receiver contracts. Some of them are signed new contracts. But all of them apart from Tyreek Hill, and I put him in there as kind of like a yardstick because he's a similar player. you know, and even though he's signed to make a deal, even though he was drafted a little bit earlier, which justifies his make a deal, I've put it in for context. What I've done in one of the, some of the stats I'm going to talk you through now is look at 2019 through 2021. And the cool thing is some of the other guys that have signed big contracts this offseason at the wide receiver position also were drafted in 2019. So Tyreek Hill was drafted in 2016, but we're going to, any stats I mentioned are 2019 to 2021. The four other players, apart from Deontay Johnson, we're going to do this comparison for and try and get a baseline understanding of the sort of statistical output to marry that to the contractual, um, you know, obligation that, you know, you, you might be required to sign Deontay Johnson. I want to marry that up. So the four players are DK Metcalf. Um, obviously makes sense. He signed that deal draft in 2019 as well. Terry McLaurin uh, draft in 2019 too. Hunter Renfro drafted in 2019, and Debo Samuel drafted in 2019. Now, the cool thing is if you look at DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, like even putting Tyreek Hill to the side, 
Hunter Renfro, Debo Samuel. You've got different types of wide receivers. In DK Metcalf, you've got the the down-the-field guy that's going to catch a bunch of deep balls, going to go up there in traffic and catch it, going to burn people on the outside. Kind of just, you know, up until the last sort of year or so, if you looked at what he did in college, kind of just go routes. That's kind of it. Then you got a guy like Terry McLaurin who can stretch the field, crossing routes, deep routes, um, you know, has had like he's kind of been the Deontay class of having average, but Deontay was in 2019 of having average quarterback play and having to make that work. And he's done tremendously well from a yardage and and, and yardage perspective. Touchdowns can be a little bit higher, but he has a, has a pretty up there for in terms of his longest reception to, in his career today. Then you got a guy like kind of Renfro, a lot of crossing routes, a lot of slants, like a guy that's like a lot of the short receptions, going to get a heap of receptions per season. I heard a tip that he people should put should put money on him and Devontae Adams to get a hundred plus receptions because Josh Daniels is just going to put him in a Wes Welker, um, even an Edelman like role, um, <laughs> you know, there for the Raiders. But that'll be interesting to see. And then you got Debo Samuel, who's like this AJ Brown hybrid you know, running back wide receiver, like a reverse Le'Veon Bell. Um, and he signed a contract that, you know, he wants to respect his effect. He's had injuries and he wants to be known as a wide receiver. But the commonality apart from Tyreek Kill, which is kind of like our control, if you like, um, is that they're all drafted in 2019. Tyreek Kill as well, I think, is kind of interesting with Deontay because Deontay is kind of his own receiver. He's a bit of a, a Hunter Renfro, Tyreek Hill cross, if you like, in this. Um, as well. So it's kind of an interesting balance that we've got. So if you look at these guys, as I say, 2019 to 2021, the player with the highest AV, which I've talked about on this show before, um, has been the approximation, approximate value, which is their sort of standardized metric for performance. Um, Deontay Johnson comes in at fifth with 23. Hunter Renfro was sixth with 18. Terry McLaurin, 24. Debo Samuel, 27. DK Metcalf, 30. Tyreek Hill, 33. In terms of games actually played, uh, DK Metcalf, 49, Deontay Johnson, 47, Terry McLaurin, 46, Hunter Renfro, 46, Tyreek Hill, 44, Debo Samuel, 38. So what you can see with that is like they've all played almost above 40 games except for Debo Samuel because of his injury history. They've all played kind of within five games of each other. So it's actually quite a standardized piece. And I picked the players based on the contracts in the year they were drafted um, mostly. And then it's interesting how like for like some of these stats are, which is kind of, I don't want to give away the ending to the show, but you kind of kind of see that Deontay, this agents do have a point to make about the money he's going to make. Now, in terms of rushing, everyone, Debo Samuels rushed the most out of all these guys for 81, 81 attempts for 550 yards, 11 touchdowns, 6.8 yards per attempt, along with 49. Tyreek Hills rushed 30 times for 242 yards, two TDs, 8.1 yards per attempt, along with 33. Deontay Johnson's next, having rushed 12 times for 109 yards, average yards per attempt of 9.1, along with 25. And the other guys have rushed three attempts each in their three seasons, um, and nothing really notable there no TDs and less than 50 yards. Um, and that was Terry McLaurin with 42. So again, that puts Debo Samuel in a different class. Tyreek Hill, it's, it's gadget play kind of things. Um, Deontay Johnson, 
you know, in a different type of Steelers offense, maybe do a bit more of this, but we've got guys that are probably better suited to this. But besides, if we're going to pay a guy top wide receiver money or, you know, good wide receiver money, um, there's 14 guys in the league. I think the, the stat is over $20 million right now per year. You know, you're not going to ask him to do those sorts of sweeps and jet motions. And even though you are going to potentially ask that from Debo Samuel, but he's a different player. It's a different body shape. So from the receiving side, receptions. Tyreek Hill has 256 receptions in that three-year span. Deontay Johnson had 254. Terry McLaurin had 222. DK Metcalf, 216. Hunter Renfro, 208, which is interesting for the reputation that Hunter Renfro has as this like reception king. Um, and Debo Samuel, 167, but obviously he's had 81 rushing attempts. So if you combine those two things together, he he's pretty close and up there um, with the other guys like Deontay Johnson and Tyreek Hill in terms of his touches on the ball. If you look at the yardage, now this is quite interesting as well. So Deontay ranked second here for receptions. Yardage, Tyreek Hill, number one, catching balls from Pat Mahomes, 33. 3,375 yards or 3,375 yards. DK Metcalf, 3,170 yards. Terry McLaurin, 3,090 yards. Deontay Johnson, 2,764 yards. Debo Samuel, 2,598 yards. And Hunter Renfro, 2,299 yards. Now, if you combine Debo Samuel's um, rushing attempts, he'd be over the 3,000 mark as well in terms of yardage. So there, and obviously, you know, it's not complete like for like, but there are plays that he might have been there as a wide receiver as well. But probably would have had a rest, you know, it, it's hard to marry up, but like that's, he's having a, he's had a, you know, over 3,000 yards um, impact on the offense um, that he's a part of. In terms of TD, so John Terry Johnson ranked fourth there. He ranked third for us, um, second for receptions. TDs, 31 for Tyreek, 29 for DK, Deontay Johnson, 20, Terry McLaurin, 16, Hunter Renfro, 15, Debo Samuels, 10. That's receiving touchdowns. So Deontay Johnson comes in at three. Yards per reception. Now, this is interesting. Debo Samuel, 15.6. DK Metcalf, 14.7. Terry McLaurin, 13.9. Tyreek Hill, 13.2. Hunter Renfro 11.1. And that actually leaves Deontay Johnson last place in 10.9. And so you might sit there and say, well, hang on. Deontay Johnson had Ben Roethlisberger. Before that, he had Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges in his, in his rookie year. But kind of, you should expect that. Like Big Ben was getting old. It was quick pass football. You know, it's just, that's not the way they were playing. They're not going to stretch the field. Like it's just not the way it worked. And, you know, what was the blocking like? And teams were stacking the box and all these different things. But the reality is the stats don't lie. That's where he's sitting. He also has the shortest long reception out of all these guys with 50 yards. Even on a Renfro had a 65 yarder. Everyone else is plus 75. You might go, hey, that's one. That's a long, that's one reception. But reality is he's not done that and stretched that field. And that's one of the threats that you have with a DK Metcalf and a Terry McLaurin. The other interesting stat um, that I that I thought is worth pulling up there too is the average yards per reception over the sorry the average number of receptions per game over this time. Tyreek Hill five point eight, 
Deontay Johnson, 5.4. Terry McLaurin, 4.8. Hunter Renfro, 4.5. Debo and Samuel and DK Metcalf, both 4.4. And yards per game. Yards per game was interesting too. Tyreek Hill, 76.7. That probably isn't surprising. Debo Samuel, 68.4. That's receiving yards average. I'm not counting what he was doing in the run game. Um, Terry McLaurin, 67.2. DK Metcalf, 64.7. Deontay Johnson in at 58.8. And then Hunter Renfro. And again, Hunter Renfro's one's probably not a surprise. The TD ratio per game um, in this period is a 0.7 for Tyreek Hill, 0.6 for DK Metcalf, 0.4 for Deontay Johnson, and Debo... Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Hunter Renfro all had a 0.3. So Deontay Johnson middle of the pack there, yardage, almost the lowest, um, even despite, you know, a high number of receptions. So you're kind of sitting there going, that's a lot of stats. But as you can see, it's not like Deontay Johnson gets top marks in anything. Um, it's not like Deontay had the most yardage. He didn't have the most TDs. Like he's fourth in yardage fourth in TDs, um, sorry, third in TDs. In terms of yards per game, he was fifth out of these six guys. So when we go to the contract values in part two, it's kind of important to remember that he doesn't hit the top echelon. Yes, he's a safe pair of hands. Yes, he's done pretty well. Like out of this draft class, he's, you know, depending on what you want to look at, he's the fifth or sixth best wide receiver out of a pretty good draft class, out of guys who be pretty good. But the interesting thing is when we get to the contracts, is no one signed a five-year deal. And that makes him a, a really expensive proposition um, and a, quite a bit of a gamble in some ways as well. Um, but it kind of aligns to the situation the Steelers are in. So I'll save that part for part two. The other thing that I thought was interesting um, from Terry McLaurin's stats is that he's consistent. he's been pretty consistent as well. Um, and it's funny, his best year for TDs was his rookie year but then his best year for yardage was in 2020. Um, and last year actually had a down year because he went from having 62.7% catch rate in 2019 to 64.9% in 2020 and then down to 59.2%. But he's such a threat and works so well for this offense. And Washington kind of have to keep any player they can. Like that's the reality of it. And then I looked at like DK Metcalf and I thought it was interesting with him because he's had... 900 yards in 2019, 967 in 2021. 2020 was a standout year with 1,303 yards. Um, catch rate is barely 60%, which is a little bit less than what I thought. I thought he'd be more like a 63%, and he's got to work on that. But again, it's kind of like with Terry McLaurin and his contract. They Seahawks had to sign someone and lock down a good player on this offense to support them when they do draft a good rookie in the next year. Or let's say you at least give someone for Drew Locke to use to compete with or Geno Smith. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting to see this, is some of this wide receiver money because the wide receiver position is going up or is some of the wide receiver position money because they're trying to lock someone in on the offense to actually stretch the opposition and be an explosive playmaker. But with that, that's going to wrap up part one of this week's Steelers ruling. In part two, we're going to look at the contract side of things and really come to the crux of the issue of how big a payday should the Steelers give Deontay.
We're back on Steelers War Room. I'm your host this week. We show Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Art Rennie II, the rest of the front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond, a roster that will compete for a seventh Lombardi trophy. And look, I will got to say this. If you're not listening to the Behind the Steel Curtains net family of podcasts on the Behind the Steel Curtain Network, anywhere you get your good podcasts, you got to listen to them all. Try one you haven't tried before. We've got something different for everyone. If you're trying this before, thank you so much for listening. I hope you like it. Um, we cover everything on this show from player profiles that are coming up in the following draft. I start that week one of the season. In season, I look at the rookies for the Steelers and how they're going um, versus the rookies of the teams that we're going to play. Off-season, where everything draft, free agents, anything, war room, front office, team building, franchise building, that's what we look at in this show. Yes, we get heavy in stats and money sometimes in dollars and cents, um, but I try to keep it fairly light too and not too many adjusted metrics and calculations. Um, but we are going to get a little bit of that probably on this side of the show with the money side of things. So what was kind of clear if you if you think back to part one of the show was that Tyreek Hill, most receptions, most yards, most TDs, most yards per reception, he actually had the second highest, second highest long reception as well, difference of one yard with Debo Samuel. I mean, he deserves his contract. The difference with Debo, with our Tyreek Hill was in the outlier in Tyreek Hill is that from that perspective, when it comes to Tyreek, he's played longer in the league and he was sort of our benchmark into sustained performance. He's justified the salary he's on, which is $30 million, um, per year, $120 million contract over four. He, he, he was worth that. And Miami wanted to bring in someone good. Again, give someone, you know, give Tua an explosive playmaker or get a good playmaker in for the next quarterback. Kind of like what I talked about with DK Metcalf um, in part one of the show with Seattle. The other guys like DK Metcalf, you know, second most in yardage, second most in touchdowns, again, justifies the contract that he signed. Um, and then the other guys are guys that were drafted in the same year that are all over a average um, contract there of above 15 million. And that's why I thought it was interesting. They're guys that have cost more than 15 million. And 15 million, I kind of think would be cheap for Deontay. I thought that going into putting the prep for this show, but I didn't want the Steelers to pay more than 17, 18. That's what we're roughly paying Antonio Brown. But as I'm about to talk through the contracts, the Steelers may have to stump up a little bit more than that. They just might. Um, so going into the contracts, the important thing to note um, for when I pre- give my prediction on what kind of might be required to keep Deontay, and I'm going conservative, um, I'll give you that tip now, is that the Steelers really probably want to sign him to a three-year deal. That's the first thing to note. Um, 2023, 2024, 2025. Their only contracted player right now in 2026 is Minka Fitzpatrick. Kenny Pickett's, you know, the quarterback they're going to have is going to be contracted through 2025. This is when they can afford him. The other thing to note is they can do a lot with contracts. If they do restructures next year, there's like on the books right now, they can restructure TJ Watt, a simple restructure, 12.6 million. Cameron Haywood can save them 7.342 million. Uh, Minka, 10 million. Um, Chooks, 4 million. James Daniels, 3.5 million. Kenny Pickett, oh, sorry, Mason Cole, 2.1 million. Like there's money they can do on this roster. Like the money that I just talked about there is the best part of $35, $40 million. So don't worry about, you know, Deontay going up to, you know, plus 15 million a year and 
is they're going to throw the salary cap out of whack. We also don't know the salary cap number. This is the first real, you know, I think bounce back year since COVID. You're going to see the salary cap, um, you know, definitely jump, definitely jump. Also, there's the thing about displacements, all the rest of it. I, I wouldn't worry. The Steelers can find money. Now, when we look at it, let's start off with Terry McLaurin. So Terry McLaurin signed a contract deal this season. He was drafted um, in the 2019 draft, third round, 76 overall. That's 10 places after Deontay. He signed a deal this offseason over three years, $69.6 million. Average pay per year, $23.2 million. Guarantees, $34.65 million, 40% um, earned in terms of guarantee. Uh, so pretty interesting from that perspective. He's been on the same team, were the Redskins, now the Commanders. Um, so that's just the way it's going to be. Was the Washington football for a year, team for a year. Hunter Renfro has a two-year deal with the Raiders. So he has the smallest deal out of this lot, which is interesting. He has His contract total is $31.7 million. Average pay per year of 15.85. Guarantees of 14. So about half that contract guaranteed. Um, so that's pretty interesting there. He's kind of, his contract's kind of backloaded, um, this year and next year from that perspective. So that's when he sees a lot of the money and then into 2024 as well. Um, so he signed the extension because this year's going to be his rookie year. So he signed that extension to keep him there 2023 and 2024. Um, so pretty interesting there from Hunter Renfro's perspective. DK Metcalf signed an extension for three years. Um, $72 million, average pay per year of $24 million, guarantees of $31. Um, so that's pretty interesting as well. He was drafted, sorry, Hunter Renfro, I should say, was drafted in the fifth round, 149th overall by the Raiders in 2019. DK Metcalf drafted in 2019, second round, 64th overall. So he made it in the second round versus Deontay in the third, two spots higher. He's garnered 72 million, but as we know, he's second on TDs behind Tyreek Hill, second on yards, over 3,000 yards, over an average of 1,000 a season, um, and just shy of an average of 10 touchdowns um, per season. Tyreek Hill, now he's sort of our control player, our contextual player, drafted in the fifth round, 165th overall by the Chiefs in 2016. Uh, he signed a four-year deal extension um, starting this season from $120 million or $420 million, average of $30 million, guarantees of 52.535. And then you have Debo Samuel uh, as well, that his extension, $71.5 million, um, average pay per year, $23.85 million, guarantees of $41 million. Um, drafted in 2019 as well in the second round, 36 overall. So he's the highest drafted player um, that we have here. We have one player drafted two spots uh, ahead of Deontay Johnson. And we have two players drafted, you know, one guy's two rounds over 80 spots back. The other guy, um, you know, is only about 10 rounds back, uh, 10 picks, 10 picks back, I should say, not 10 rounds. So again, that's just spat at you a whole heap of numbers. Um, but also college, Terry McLaurin was out of Ohio State. Hunter Renfro out of Clemson. Tyreek Hill was, well, he's less of the the issue there, but he was out of West Alabama back in 2016 for context. Um, Ole Miss for DK Metcalf, um, South Carolina for Debo Samuel. 
if we look at the average, if we look at the um, average pay per year. So you have, um, you know, Terry McLaurin there, 69.6 million, average pay per year, 23.2, it's over three years. We have Hunter Renfro's 31.7 over two years for an average of 15.85 million a year. We have 72 million for DK Metcalf um, over three years, 24 million. And then we have Debo Samuel, 71.5 over three for 23.85. And then if you factor in Tyreek Hill, um, because he signed this extension in the offseason, he's out of our control player, um, you know, performed the best in that time, 120 million over four years for 30 million. Now, if you divide um, that average pay per year, which totals 116.9 million amongst these five wide receivers, divided by five, that's five players, you get an average of 23.38 million. So that's the average pay per year that these guys are making. Now, you've got Hunter Renfro on the low side with 31 million, oh, sorry, with the average of 15.85 million. You've got um, Tyreek Hill on the high end, double that basically at 30 million. And then the other guys are like 23.85, 23.2, 24 million. Deontay's probably going to want 23 million, 23 million um, per. Uh, that that's, that's these numbers. Like he's up there. He's done more than McLaurin has in many ways. He's done more than Debo has in some ways. He's done more than Hunter Renfro. Is he, does he done more in every aspect? No, but you know, he's kind of this fourth or fifth wide receiver. He's, Ahead of Hunter Renfro, is he worth the 23 million? I mean, that's the question the Steelers are gonna have to ask themselves because that's what the number is. Then I looked at guaranteed money. Um, you know, 41 million, 34.65 million, 14 and a half million, 31 million, and then 52.35 million. Now, you might say, because average per year kind of is easy to work out across all of them. What we were able to do is I averaged these over the three years as well because Hunter Renfro had two-year contract. Um, Tyreek Hill had a four-year contract. So if you actually work that out, the average is three across every player. Um, so I total all them up, um, all those guaranteed monies over the three years. Um, and that, that was that was pretty interesting um, from that perspective. So that guaranteed money is... 173. So, so I mean, the average contract would be over three, would be three years. The average guaranteed money across these, uh, guaranteed money across these um, contracts equals $34.7 million. So that's where the steals, the steals are going to have to get there at 34.7. Um, and so it kind of gives you a pretty clear perspective um, on this. This is what it is. That's what it is. So I've given you a lot of stats. I've given you money in terms of players and, 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 and what they're getting. Similar wide receivers, almost all in drafted in the same round as, as Deontay Johnson. So what do I think would it take for the Steelers to sign Deontay Johnson? I think you would need somewhere between 11 and 12 million guaranteed per year. Now, I, my gut would say try and go 11. Um, you might have to do 11 and a half, you might have to go 12. If you did 12, it's 36 million. If you did 11, it's 33 million, maybe throwing a roster bonus in the, in the third year, you know, something like that uh, to make it worth it. That way, if it didn't happen, you could cut him or, or whatever it is. 
And then I think you need a salary somewhere in the 9.8 to 10.2 million range. Now, if I was giving him the full 12 at 36 million guaranteed, I would hope that he would sign a $9.8 million deal. That would bring him to $21.8 million, which is slightly less than the 23, but he was get, he'd be getting three or four more million guaranteed. That's better for Deontay guaranteed money. I would be trying to play up that. But if you want to do 11 and a half, I think you would need to maybe even stretch that 10.2 to a 10 and a half. So what would that look like? Well, let's say he had an 11.75 million guarantee per, and let's say he had a 10 and a half um, salary, per, or let's say, let's call it 10.25, right? Then we can call it 22 million flat per year. That's a $66 million deal over three. Yes, that's actually less than Terry McLaurin. Um, but he hasn't lived up to some of the stats Terry McLaurin's had. It's an extra 50% on top of Hunter Renfro. And yes, it's behind Debo, but Debo is playing basically two, one and a half positions, two positions. And it's behind DK Metcalf, but he Deontay Johnson does different things to DK Metcalf. The other thing too is, is that the Steelers have guys, we've talked about this all offseason, Anthony Miller, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, and now Calvin Austin. So if Deontay wants to stay on this team, he needs to understand that. And I alluded to this on Touchdown Under this week. Deontay stays, in my mind, you're, punt- you're getting rid of Ch- Chase Claypool. That's what's happening. And so maybe it is. They signed Deontay Johnson and Calvin Austin and George Pickens are doing well mid-season and Anthony Miller's showing stuff through the preseason. I'd be trading Chase Claypool, 100%. Um, now, I know people go, that's really silly. He's got next year as well. They can't afford to re-sign all these guys. I know we haven't seen Pickens play a big game, but we got to look forward to them. And, and that's what this show's about. It's about team building. What can the Steelers do to set themselves up for success long-term? Get picks when you need to. Refresh that position. Go out and draft someone next year in the draft if you have to in the third or fourth round. But if they're going to sign Deontay Johnson, for me, this slams the door on Chase Claypool. Unless he has an incredible year if you want to take that gamble. And even then, I think you still look to get moving on. Maybe you give money. Maybe you give a bit more than this to Deontay. Maybe the Steelers really like him. I'm going off the Steelers, uh, you know, don't want to overpay him. Um, maybe you say to him, look, mate, like, yeah, we're going to give you money because you don't know who, what quarterback you're playing behind. We know you want to win now, blah, 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 blah. Do I, honest, honestly, it's hard for me to look at $22 million and say, hey, I'm happy to pay that to Deontay. I do like the defense more. I do think there's guys like Najee and Patty Freemuth that contribute. My cap would be $22 million. I don't think he needs more than that a season um, over the three. Maybe if you were to do the four, you offer him that and you up the guaranteed money, maybe. But if I look at this list, I definitely think he's a lot more, brings a lot more than Hunter Renfro. But I'm not sure that I fully agree with the fact that he deserves what some of these other guys in his draft class had have because he, to me, yes, he can change games and run the right route, but if I was picking a team to play for the game of my life, I probably would pick, you know, Terry McLaurin in there first. I probably would if I was had the right quarterback. You know, DK Metcalf can light it up. Um, you know, is is Deontay really worth more than Keenan Allen? No, Keenan Allen's there at $20 million. Is he worth more than Mario Cooper? I think he can do more than Mario Cooper, but I think Mario Cooper's inflated. Is he worth more than Chris Godwin? I don't know. Like, and that's why I, I think if even if you could get away with a $9 million salary, $11 million guaranteed, you take it, you get him capped at 20. 
Um, I don't think Dante was going to sign for less than 20, to be honest. I'll be happy if they could get him for 20, for 22 or less. I don't, I, I cringe at paying him more than 23 per, but that, that, I mean, that's what we could be looking at Steelers fans. Um, but I think 66 million, 3 million behind Terry McLaurin. I think that that's pretty fair. Um, that would put him ahead of DJ Moore at the Panthers, ahead of Keenan Allen. Um, I say ahead of Mario Cooper, ahead of Godwin, ahead of Melton White Williams, ahead of Brandon Cooks, ahead of Michael Thomas, um, who I think is angling for a restructure when he can, um, ahead of Kirk, Chris, Christian Kirk, um, and Kenny Golladay and Tyler Lockett. So, and even Mike Evans. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think guys, you know, guys and gals, we're not keeping Deontay for less than 20. Um, and maybe if, if they let him walk, that 20 million can be well spent. But remember, even Stefan Diggs is only on 24 million. Cooper Cup's only on 26. Is DJ worth 23 million a year? I don't think so. So I'm interested to see how this deal, if it gets signed, works out. Um, I would love it to fall somewhere in that 62 to 65 million dollar range, but I think it's probably I would love it to fall in the 62 million range. I'm gonna be straight up, but I think it's gonna be closer to the 66 million range. And I would suggest that we're looking at a minimum of 33 and a half. Um, to 35 and a half guaranteed. But with that, that wraps up this week's Steelers War Room. As always, go Steelers. <laughs>